Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight, as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt and Steve, the, as I like to say, the delectable duo, the Dawesome of Awesome, the duo of Tuo. How you guys doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing just fine, Lance. I have to find ways uh, to top myself. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. dude. High five. <laughs> I like the, what was it, duo of awesome or? Dawesome or awesome. Dawesome. Dawesome or awesome. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, what what kind of gaming you guys been up to? We haven't talked in a little, in a hot minute. What have you guys been up to gaming-wise? So for me, we, uh, for Christmas this year, my wife and I bought a Oculus Quest 2 for the family, which is mm. the like virtual reality headset game console, essentially, where you put this headset on, it puts you into a completely you know, virtual reality world. Uh, you've got two little like joystick things that you hold on to, and there's all sorts of games that you can play. There's a, uh, the one that probably that's most famous is Beat Saber, which is essentially like a rhythm-based music game where you're using like lightsabers to cut through these blocks. It's super fun. Like a whole family likes it. I've been playing uh, some. There's some multiplayer you could do with other people that have Oculuses too, which is kind of cool. But <clears throat> a couple games that I've played I've, that I've really liked. There's one. It's a series of three episodes, part of the Vader Immortal series, where you play essentially. I haven't gotten super far, but you are basically come face to face with Darth Vader as somebody who was on a ship that got taken by the Empire. Oh, that sounds terrifying. Um, and you do like <laughs> lightsaber battles in full VR, which is super cool. There's uh, this segment early on where you are at Vader's castle on Mustafar, so this, you know, lava covered planet desolate planet and you're scaling the outside of the the building essentially and it was super interesting how it all worked and was one of the most disorienting things i've ever done like it literally turning and looking down really gives you that feel that you are you know 30 stories in the air or however far you are wow it was pretty neat um so there's that, and then <clears throat> there's another game that I picked up recently called Ragnarok that is, you play as the drummer at the head of a Viking longship, and you are playing in time with a bunch of, like, uh, Viking metal songs, uh, to like, playing to keep the rowers in time as you're rowing on these ships. That has been super cool as well, so... With uh, this time of year, we always are kind of behind the ball when it comes to playing board games just because my wife and I are so busy with the holidays and other stuff. So haven't been playing as many board games, but I tell you what, that quest has been uh, it's been really, really cool. Awesome. What about you, Steve? Uh, you know, with the holiday seasons and everything and uh, my new job, I haven't played too many games. I've dabbled in a few on the PlayStation. 
Uh, but that's about it. Nothing worth mentioning. It was boring in the entertainment side this month. <laughs> I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> nice. Well, I actually, uh, how the Christmas season is when most of my family actually like play some board games and stuff. So, um, I got to play some Lords of Waterdeep, which was a huge hit. Um, some Dominion, uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. We played a bunch of different board games. Those were probably two of the highlights, two of the really popular ones. Resistance. Resistance is a huge fan favorite. If you haven't played that, it's a it's a deduction. It's a, like a party deduction game. You get a lot of players and you argue about who's the bad guys and who's the good guys. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, um those are the kind of games that I don't play with Janet anymore because I don't know. <laughs> it always, especially when there's like one person <laughs> that's betraying the rest of them, it can be can lead to some tense moments. Right, right. Yeah, um, and that yeah that happened. Man, that happens too. We get into huge arguments on it, but it's so much fun. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Some of my favorite memories in gaming have been in some sort of like social deduction style game where especially if you are you know the one person at the table who based on your role needs to be deceitful and you just pull it off it's always so rewarding you know at the end of the game when you're like well actually i was the one that screwed all of you (laughs) i was the spy i was the betrayer that's always uh, always a good time right and then uh, i would say so obviously with uh, the holidays and some people getting sick and stuff, um, man, it's been a while since I've played any role-playing games, but we uh, we fixed that today, played some more for today, had a ton of fun. Man, it's it's good. It's good to be back, man. I don't know about you guys, but like when you like don't play it for a while and then you play it again, it's it's like you remember what you've been missing and get excited. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's a great way to put it, what you've been missing. We just had some people over on Friday, a little like birthday get together, and we played a bunch of games. It was the first time we've been able to play board games in, you know, honestly, like really in months. So it's, yeah, definitely a good feeling to get back to it. So, yeah, let me take, I'm going to make an audible here. There's two things I want to call out. Um, So first off, Old Worlders, I just want to say to all y'all, Happy 2022. I mean, I remember when we said, oh, thank God 2020 is behind us. 2021 is going to be awesome. And yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, We're off the mark on that. Yeah, uh... (laughs) right. But I'm looking forward to 2022. I do feel like maybe we'll finally see the tail end of the the pandemic, I'm hoping. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting... Yeah, you really got to temper your expectations there. Man, man, I'm hoping. I really, I really, I can't. I don't know. It has to, but I mean, it is what it is, but I, I, uh, we put out a post to our patrons recently, um, just kind of explaining, Hey, where everything is and what we've been up to and, and all that. And one of the things I just wanted to say to all you old worlders stick together, play games, um, really from all of us at the old world podcast, we really want you to know, look out for each other and, and, uh, because it, it helps, uh, the, the messages we've gotten from you guys helps us get through the times and, you know, and uh, it's just been really, uh, really awesome. So um, I look forward to 2022, um, and and I, I truly mean that. I think it's going to be a better than 2021 year, and uh, I hope the best for all of you. And we all do at the Old World Podcast. Agreed. You're here. 
The second thing I wanted to say is happy birthday, Matt. We're recording on Matt's birthday. Woohoo! Matt's birthday. Hey. Thank you. He is uh, turning 18 today. And uh, oh, in my mind, I'm still 18, but in my <laughs> body, I'm like 60. Nice. It feels that way sometimes. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> happy really happy birthday, man. It's an excellent way to spend my birthday. Yeah. That's true. And uh, so uh, speaking of other celebrations, uh, let's take this opportunity to get some thank yous out there. Before we kind of get out to the actual meat of the show, um, we'd like to thank some outstanding uh, Patreon backers um, and everybody's generous donations help to keep the servers running and keep the show going. And we really do appreciate it. Um, first up uh, is... The Keeper of the Reliquary, uh, JD, I, we already gave him a shout-out in the previous episode that he had edited for us that we had released. Um, and uh, JD is going to be working on several episodes to help us do editing. And um, he's really, uh, I mean, JD is, I mean, not only is he a patron, but he's helping us out with editing and just is a cool guy to talk to anyway. Um, so uh, I, uh, I, I really appreciate JD. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a been a huge help. That's one thing that we've unfortunately kind of discovered is that we we can record all day and all night, but boy, getting getting stuff uh, on the table and edited is can be time consuming. So yeah, uh, thank you very much, JD, for your for your uh, help with that. We really appreciate it. Heck, even getting editing done. I, I know I don't like to make excuses, you know, but a bunch of us are in healthcare healthcare related fields, and every time a a variant comes along, man, it just destroys our schedules. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just unfortunate, but true. Yep. Yep. Very true. We'd also like to thank Knees Viborg Jensen. V Knees, I am all but certain I butchered that name. <laughs> but regardless, you are showing us some support and we want to thank you for it. Yeah, thank you, Knees. And uh, for the record, Knees, the reason I gave your name to Matt is because I would have done it worse. Trust me. So we really appreciate your support, Knees. Thank you, Knees. Uh, also, Eric, thank you. How'd you get the easy one? <laughs> I'm the one that made the show notes. I should have gave myself, Eric. Well, thank you, Eric. <laughs> appreciate you. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and then uh, last but not least, we got Daniel Schneider. Hey, I, I got one. I I'm pretty sure I got that right. Let me know, Daniel, if I didn't. But thank you. We appreciate you. I actually kind of hope that he comes back and is like, you got it all wrong. Sneeder. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to join these fine folks and buy us a Bugman's or some tea, hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Check us out at patreon.com slash old world podcast. Absolutely. So announcements and news. So this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Wolfrip and related news. And we got some fun stuff to talk about, including two new releases. Right, yes, Matt? indeed. So we're going to get started with a couple PDF releases from Cubicle 7. The first one is the Hirelings of the Old World. This came out, I believe it is 22 pages. And outlines a handful of different hirelings that you would come across uh, that you could use in your adventures. So I wasn't sure what I expected when they, when they, I think they 
I think we had some sort of warning that hirelings or something related to hirelings was coming out. Um, and when it came out, so what, what this is, um, is they give you a little bit of information about hirelings, but then they break down like in, you know, how, how you can use hirelings and whatnot, but then they give you, all right, here's four examples, four very specific hirelings with, um, you know, rules and, um, some cool, like, uh, like the lantern menu is pretty nifty and like they give you, um, you know, like a really good breakdown. Like it's almost character level of these hirelings that you can hire who they currently work for the whole nine yards. So it's a, it's a very interesting PDF. It's a good way to, especially if you don't want to, like if you don't want to create something from scratch and you want something that's like ready to go and is more in depth than just like the, a no name vanilla, you know, we hire a ship captain and, you know, move on kind of thing. This is a great way. Plus the fact that all the stats and everything are laid out and they kind of have some special stuff with it is super nice. Yeah. Even ambitions, short-term, long-term, their motivation. I mean, it, it's a, it's more fledged out than I, I think what I expected uh, when I saw that this release was coming out. And like with all of P, uh, Cubicle 7's releases, there are, uh, story hooks throughout. Yeah. Including one of the hirelings is an ogre mercenary. So on the heels of archives two, having ogres as playable characters, we are seeing that, uh, having a hireling available along with the, a whole set of story hooks for those as well. Absolutely. A great artwork. And, uh, I, I, I did like how they, they had four distinct different hirelings, like completely different that could be used in different groups, different environments. Um, so I thought that was nice. Uh, but overall, it was just a nice read. And uh, before examples of some hirelings that you can hi hire, be part of the group, or at least like a template. You, know, you could always change the name, all that stuff. But right. uh, they yeah. really went all all out with with kind of these char these characters to show you that example of what can be done. Honestly, Precisely. I feel like it's just one step down from like a full-on character creation character. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that even like if you didn't want to use this as a hireling, you've got four diverse NPCs in this book that you could use as well. I mean, an ogre mercenary, a wood elf spy, a halfling attendant, and a human hunter. So there's there's plenty you can do with this outside of its intended purpose. So that's always nice to have as well. Yeah. So I think the second of the new releases is the one that ended up having more excitement and talk in our group. Yeah. And I believe these were released on the same day. They Answer were. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yep. Yeah. This one is Blood and Bramble, a score and four spells for witches and hedge witches. So as you all know, if you've listened to any of our character creation episodes, especially, we love spells and we love spells both when they go well and when they go wrong, <laughs> as it turns out, maybe more so when they go wrong, but this, uh, so this PDF, it's also 20, just over 20 pages. Uh, and it has quite a few spells, a lot of the, um, from the lore of witchcraft, lore of hedgecraft, um, both, uh, some that are, are wicked as you, uh, as we have come to expect from, from Wolfrup. 
Yeah, and this is kind of uh, similar to the Solisara's Spells of Utility or, or whatever that other PDF was, where I think that you got like three or four extra spells for each like color of magic. Well, this gives you extra spells for the Hedgecraft and Witchcraft, and it, it's good stuff. I, I was really, uh, I really look, looked into this and, and really liked this. Um, for like, I feel like witches and and uh, heads witches and heads wizards were were something where you might have felt like you were slighted a little bit without all the extra color stuff, and this really helps the gap. I I really think that the, uh, <laughs> the there are some really good spells in here. In fact, I, I'd like to go around and say like if you got a favorite spell, guys, um, because I I got one that you you probably think isn't that cool but i could think of a hundred ways to use it oh i have three favorite spells in this three right two (laughs) from the hedgecraft one from the witchcraft but what's interesting with the hedgecraft if you look at all the casting numbers Uh uh-huh casting costs they're all zeros not sure if that's a misprint or you can just cast all these but for hedgecraft i love the fertilize because technically you could get some profit from that touch a field that's if i've Um, if there's been a more conrad statement made today i i'd be surprised listen fertilize is your spell for you because you can profit off it and there's kindle uh so kindle i thought was was great uh you can create like warming fire um you, you know you could just create fire which is awesome uh, and, and for the witchcraft, I like the nameless summons. I'm sure you guys might bring that up in a little bit, but um, that one is like you could you who knows what you might cast or what you might get. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, scary. Scary, but fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, Unless it you roll higher a, than five. <laughs> yeah. A table based on your number of success levels, the type of entity that you're going to summon, its attitude, and then a suitable gift, which is just attitude excellent just... in so many ways yeah so the so um i did want to make a point so all of the casting number being zero that's definitely not a typo um that's also the same as in the core book and the reason that is is because you must have ingredients with heads magic to cast um so you can't cast without ingredients well, so i true. i think uh i think that's kind of yeah. the the way balancing piece of it yeah yep but yeah, really good, really good. So Matt, what about what are your favorites? I mean, I always, I always tend to go big. So <laughs> I, the first thing I, as I was flipping through this PDF for the first time, the first thing that I looked for was whatever spell had the highest channeling number. <laughs> <laughs> because let's be real, that's gonna have the the craziest effect. Right. And sure enough, in the end, after going through all of it, Mirrored Abyss was my number oh, one. Yeah. That's wicked. Which, which has a channeling number of 16. Uh, your target, uh, one suitable mirrored surface you touch becomes a gateway to a nameless liminal space, Ugh. a yawning void of darkness and perpetual silence. And you can basically turn a mirrored surface into a portal to this uh, you know, nameless space and potentially trap people in there or things in there or uh, whatever. It, uh, anyways, it just, it I mean, sounded too excellent. 
while in the realm and still alive, they can right. attempt to get out. But if you just happen like a noble lord you had to kind of get rid of, you could hide them in that otherworldly realm. Mm-hmm. No one would know. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty great. That was definitely the it, one that stood out the most. The pick. Yeah, if so, I know this seems lame, but my favorite for the hedge is Geistbane. Um, and this is you cast a spell on a prepared concoction of oil and herbs, and the mixture becomes abhorrent to spirits. Smearing it on entrances of the home can bar a spirit from entering it, and any such beings must make a hard willpower test to enter a dwelling protected in this way. Like, because I'm thinking right now, for example, like, um, uh, we're not there yet where we've released it in the actual play, but um, our actual play folks are actually on a boat in a river right now. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to smear this stuff all around the outside of the boat. Like, I want to keep, like, I, I've, man, mad, uh, spirits and ethereal in this in this game in Warhammer in the world are so incredibly dangerous. If you don't have the tools you need to fight them, there's just nothing you can do. And they can be just as deadly. <laughs> So, I think about like not, I was about to say not everyone has a priest of Maven aboard. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The other thing too is like I keep thinking of things like okay, so I'll create this abhorrent cacaction thing. Like if I know I'm gonna go into a fight right before it, and then like put it in bottles of oil that you light on fire. I just think about what my players would do, right? They're going to get Von Hol's quality lamp oil. They're going to mix this, this stuff in with it, light it on fire like a Molotov co- cocktail, and start throwing it at ghosts. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I love everything that you just said, Lance. Oh, that sounds lie. like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, started, you started that conversation about by being like, the the one parent that's like go if you're gonna go outside you got to put your gloves on put your hat on if you're gonna go on the boat you got to wipe the sides of the boat down with geistbane <laughs> otherwise you're gonna have a bad time and then you end it by saying mix it with von hole's quality and start chucking it at things and now that is where <laughs> that's where it's at that's good stuff yeah yep. and so for the witch one I did want to say this nameless summons I mean come on anytime that you can cast poorly. And the result of your poor cast is a suitable gift for the demon is your flesh, blood, and soul. Um, Yeah. yeah, That's like, that's the kind of playing with chaos that I'm talking about when it comes to spell casting. I love the the fact now I mentioned it. I I blurted it out, but the attitude, like what you roll is based off uh, is what the attitude is for the demon toward you. Right. Right. Hostile (laughs) to favorable. (laughs) Like, right. Right. Ah, man, it's good. So, and it's all this. And I should mention, right. It's not just spells. They give us uh, two examples, like a, a hedge wizard and uh, a witch, um, with some yep. cool breakdown and and rules. Stat and blocks, a little bit of backstory, and as always, a couple story hooks for each. So mm-hmm. yeah, really cool. And it also comes with the printable uh, cards for Spell the cards. spells as well. So that's yeah. So always... this is. I wanted to thank you for bringing that up, Matt, because this is something we kind of skipped over when we last reviewed and went over the Salundras, and it's something I intended to ask. 
um, Padraig about the, but I forgot, like I was going to ask him, are you guys going to continue to do this? And it looks like the answer is yes. And I am a huge fan, like, cause I just think about, I could get this printed on really good stock and cut this out. It, like, and whatever spells I'm using, like if I'm a spell caster, having spells in a card format is a huge benefit for me. I really like it. I, 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 so in this, I'll go as far as I know some people hate it. Right. Um, so I'll go as far as to say that like, if, as long as they kept all the data in the books that you would need, but if they also sold decks of cards that were like, here's a complete spell deck for all wizards and all, I would buy that in a heartbeat, but that's just me. I, I hear you. It's, it is nice having that, you know, as opposed to having to, well, what specifically what's really nice is not only it has the title of the spell and all of the necessary, um, you know, channeling number range target duration, but has the full description of what that spell does, which means, you know, if you don't have the book open, it's likely that you've just written your spells on your character sheet and no way are you going to have the kind of descriptions that they have on these cards. So, uh, it, it, it's nice. It's definitely nice. And especially if you're, you know, your players may already have like copies of the core book or other books, but you know, being able to just hand them a card for a spell that they've learned, it's going to be a lot easier than having to flip through, you know, Oh, was a spell, which book was it in? Was it in a PDF? Was it in this or that? That's, uh, that's a really cool. nice way to do it. Because an idea you could create your own little tome. You could put your little spell cards in it. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yup. Very nice. So with that, I believe those were the final two releases of the year 2021 for Woofrup, which means we can take a second now, look back at the releases that have came out this year. A lot came out, despite the fact that there were issues all over the world with supply chain and delivery. We, we got it quite a bit, both yeah, in PDFs did. and in full supplements. So let's go through those. I'm going to list them off real quick. And then the three of us will kind of talk about which ones were our favorites. And then also look forward to the 2022. Yeah, for sure. So the the full releases this year, we got Altdorf, Crown of the Empire. We got Archives of the Empire Volume 2, Uber's Reich Adventures 2, and the Enemy Within campaign finished. Obviously, that's that's huge. That will likely free up a lot of resources to be able to start getting even more content out to us. Uh, but in addition to that, there were a bunch of PDF releases, Shrines of Sigmar, Patreon, uh, Patrons of the Old World, <laughs> the Clustri Tribe, the two we just talked about, Adventures, uh, Something Knocking, Feast for Blood, No Strings Attached. Even we got our first uh, physical game in the Woofrup 4th Edition world, and that is the Elector Counts, which, which we should have a review coming up in the next little bit. Yes. Yep. And um, and uh, I, I really look forward to that. I know you've got your hands on that right now, and uh, you're uh, you're you're going through it and testing it out. So I cannot wait to hear the uh, the review. Yep. So if I was going to pin down my favorite release of the year, I think I'd probably go. It's a little. This is a little tricky, actually. I really like the Uber's Rick adventures. Those are my kind of adventures to run instead of doing like big long-term campaigns, which mm-hmm. can be extremely difficult to keep everyone, you know, together and to be able to organize something that's going to last that long. I really like doing just the little one-shots or you know two or three session 
adventures. So I really liked Uber's Wreck Adventures 2, and I really liked Archives of the Empire Volume 2. I think the series of Archives books so far have been excellent yes. uh, with a lot of content and definitely my favorite of the year. Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar camp. I, I think um, Archives, Archives was, I mean, of the physical releases, Archives of Empire 2 um, is just so good it's so good um we're gonna do a separate review on that coming up later um it, it was just i don't know what else to say like every piece every chapter in that was just like chock full of stuff that i was excited about um and uh i, I mean from pdfs so i'm a big fan of like player options um because player options are gm options in a lot of ways i think too um so honestly the spell releases, the Solisara's spells and the Blood and Bramble, like those were huge for me because they took an already existing like career or set of careers and gave you more to work with and more options. And and as a GM, it gives you more for your NPCs to do or big bad guys or whatever it might be. So um yeah, I was a huge fan. There's a lot of really good stuff and and I'm a I'm a fan of the 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 adventures and the camp. Of course, I mean, hey, the Enemy Within complete ten book series with a, there's so many good things in there too. But if I had to nail it down, archives and probably those those spell PDFs for me were my favorite. Thank you, Steve. Like the archives of the Empire, um, two um, <laughs> strong a strong I favorite. Like- <laughs> yeah, um, I like Shrines of Sigmar. I thought that yeah. book was unique and cool. Yep. Um, and also, I like the Death on the Right Companion. I thought that was just great. The rivers, the boating, all the you know all the extra rules <laughs> was great. Yeah, for sure. What about? So we we do. I mean, we do have some cool stuff to look forward to. Uh, you want to go through uh, what they've announced that we know about so far? For 2022 is already looking great. Um, the Imperial Zoo, we've talked about that many times. Uh, it's a fan favorite. <laughs> uh, we got Up in Arms, uh, Winds of Magic, another one that uh, can't wait to get our hands on, and Salzimund, uh, the port city. Mm. would be a good one, too. Mm. So you're talking a city book and then a bestiary and two player-focused books. Um, Up in Arms is supposed to be military focused. We've heard um, there's been some. Uh, if, if you go to Cubicle 7's website, you'll um, see that like uh, uh, Cubicle Seven CEO Dominic McDowell did an interview recently, and then um, Padrig and Dominic and Dave Allen, um, which uh, we've had all of them on our show, by the way, and you can check out some previous episodes. But they did a Warhammer 35 year kind of tribute video too, where they talked about some of this stuff. And they mentioned, uh, I don't remember in which of those, but I, I'm pretty sure Dom mentioned Up in Arms and, and uh, how it's a military kind of focused book. So I'm right. hoping to see more weapons, more knights, more soldiers, that sort of stuff. And uh, I thought they also mentioned that this is kind of like mass warfare too. Like, yeah, is this so, the one like groups fighting, so you don't got to do each individual roles, but more like mob groups or. So yeah, I'm not sure. So it's possible that they were talking about archives too with the mass combat rules that were in there, or it might be an expansion of the mass combat rules. So I'm not entirely sure. 
I will say, even just those four releases right there, that's a pretty excellent slate of upcoming releases. I like that we're going to start seeing more and more of the player-focused material. Yeah. <clears throat> is really cool. Obviously, we've been we've been lauding over the Imperial Zoo for a while now. That's going to be a great book. But I tell you, for my dollar, the the Middenheim book. Obviously, we're about to talk about Altdorf. Those those books are excellent if you are running something in that area. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, the more of those that we get, I think the more I'm I'm going to like them. So. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one I'm very excited about. I agree. That's and these are all high expectation for me. Um, especially. Especially Imperial Zoo and Winds of Magic, I think those are going to have the biggest, like community expectation. Um, with with uh, the Imperial Zoo is kind of the spiritual successor to the second edition Warhammer B series, one of the most lauded B series for any system that's ever been published. Um, it's often making the top charts, top ten charts of you know RPG B series and stuff like that. Um, but Winds of Magic, right? I mean. Second edition had a full-on good book of Winds of Magic. Third edition, like, and those are always high-demand books. Um, and so uh, what this is going to be, I, <laughs> these are going to be great books. And uh, all four of them, like, you could get, you could give me any of these released today, and I'd be, like, so excited. So Yeah, and that's just what we know about. I mean, certainly right. there's going to be other, I mean, think about just this year, how many PDF releases we got. Mm-hmm. If we're counting the adventures, I mean, we're talking all just about a PDF release a month at least. Yeah. So between the PDFs and the books, we've got a lot coming up. It's definitely a good time. And I'll also mention too, um, based on what we've been seeing in the kind of the monthly updates, Imperial Zoo originally was going to be fourth quarter, but it got pushed back. And it's been pushed back a couple of times, but again, I'd rather they get it right then release it too early. Sure. Um, but so I'm assuming that's going to be first quarter. Up in Arms is supposed to be first quarter. Winds of Magic is supposed to be first quarter. Though I would bet if Imperials you got pushed back, I'm betting Winds of Magic will. Because again, m- get that right, Cubicle Seven. Don't mess that one up by releasing it too early. Uh, but then in Salzmund, I think is first or second quarter. So like we literally don't know anything about third or fourth quarter potentials yet. So. I mean, double this list. <laughs> I can't even wait to see what's next. So, all right. So, other things for news virtual tabletop releases Age of Sigmar and Wrath and Glory for Foundry. Yay. Woo. It's, it's about time. Those were very much needed. Um, and uh, I know uh, Age of Sigmar is a big one for uh, some of, uh, especially for uh, the Lord, uh, Lord of the Underdeep, Nolan, is a huge Age of Sigmar fan. And um, I I don't know if he's got that or not. I'll need to talk to him. But Wrath and Glory is another one, too, where if you're playing online, like, I, I can't wait to see. I haven't actually played around. I don't think I have either of those. But um, those are out there. And I know we've been talking for a while that it needs to come. And I suspect we'll see Roll20 versions um, for both of those coming down the line as well. But anyway, uh, be on the lookout for new releases and all this news and more. Just uh, cubicle7games.com. You guys ready? All right, let's get into the meat of the show here. So Altdorf, Crown of the Empire. This is a city-themed book, and it's one we've been looking forward to for quite a while. Very excited about it. Been looking forward to it because Altdorf has so much to talk about. It has the Colleges of Magic. It has the University of Altdorf. Um, it has 
uh, the imperial seat, the emperor rules, not only Reichland, but all of the empire from the Reichland. The Reichland is one of the, if not the biggest cities in uh, Warhammer and certainly one of the top couple of largest cities for humankind on the planet. It's uh, it's ar- arguably the most fortified, uh, most protected human city. And there's so much there, so much there. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to give a review. We're going to do a high level here. So, uh, so old worlders, beware the stink of the great reek and take care when the populace shows anger. For tonight, we walk the streets of one of the largest and most powerful cities of the old world, where the emperor holds his power. Sigmar blesses her masses while sanctioning magic, riots, and crime make the city as beautiful as it is dangerous. Join us for tonight we review Altdorf, Crown of the Empire, on tonight's episode of the Old World Podcast. So Altdorf is the second city-themed book that we've got, the first one being Middenheim City of the White Wolf. And I have to say, if I remember, we spoke very highly of that book. In our we did. Book. Yes, we yeah. did. Mm-hmm. For a variety of different reasons, both the amount of depth that they gave us on the city, the amount of like surrounding areas. One of the biggest things that we all really liked was the fact that it gave us now more options for human characters instead of just Reichlander human. Now we have uh, Midlander, Middenheimer and Nordlander. That was huge coming out of that book. In addition, we also had, there was some new uh, careers that were in it. Uh, and the city specific locations were, in my opinion, they were excellent. So that set the bar really high for city themed books. Uh, let's see if this lives up to that. <laughs> and hey, Absolutely. Steve, before you jump in here, I want to call an audible here. Just let's, let's get our, our art fixation and, and layout fixation out of the way right now. Um, I'm just going to say, I'm looking at pages four and five and my goodness. Oh, yeah, just makes it look like grandiose. Like this is, I'm looking, so page four has this beautiful like ship, um, which has got like, it's like a castle built on a ship. So Warhammer um, with all of these, like you can see a, like, almost a steampunk level of machinery in the background while there's like the bright college, which is basically furnishes firing for, for magic, magic colleges on the, 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 you know, castles and people. And it's a great metropolis with trade. And then you look on the other side, you see the giant castle inspires of the, the Imperial palace. And I mean, gosh, this artwork is really good. Well, and what I love about this art specifically is that we're at a pretty low angle. It's not like we're up on the top of one of those spires looking down on the city. Right. It's, it has a different feel, I think, than Middenheim did for sure. A lot mm-hmm. darker, a lot more like smoggy and smoky yeah. and industrial. And yeah. yeah, industrial. Very good. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful piece. There's a couple as we go through the book that I'll, I'll call out. But yeah, I mean... I feel like the more books we get, the more artwork we see being reused, which Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. And honestly, like you can't necessarily expect that like all of these books are going to be absolutely chock full of totally unique new artwork. But again, as we go through, there's a couple pieces I'll point out that I, I particularly liked. And then, and it also makes the argument. Sometimes that, that page just requires, we need a good picture of a a dwarf King and we have the perfect picture. Why? Why commission a new Precisely. piece? 
Um, yeah. But I do want to, before we move on, the cover. Oh, my gosh. That cover. So we talked about, you talked about being, like, kind of not up high looking down low. This is, like, street level. Look what's going on. We can see the docks in the background and just. This little madness. Oh, my gosh. It looks so good. And then, of course, you got our, our pre-gen characters in the art nope. piece, which is so cool. I love it when they just do watching. that. It's like it's just like we're here. What the heck is going on? It's like our pre-gen characters, they are well traveled, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to point a uh, great cover art too. And and I apologize, I don't remember who did the cover art. Yeah, JG. That's what I thought. I didn't want to jump to conclusions. JG O'Donoghue who did that cover art, and it is beautiful. So, all right. Sorry, Steve. I- I'm done interrupting you. I just wanted to get that all out of the way. <laughs> all right. So, uh, uh, basically, the book, of course, begins with talking about the crown of the empire. And it breaks it down. Um, why it's a royal and holy city, city of culture. You know, you got, you know, the College of Magic. You got engineering dwarfs in there. Uh, it goes over the history of Altdorf. Um hard times the dark ages um they talk about the emperor um and, and it basically basically talks about like the 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 rule of the current empire or the emperor and and at the end of chapter one they give a nice timeline of Aldorf. and like within the chapter you know of course you know there's a lot more than what i'm saying i'm just kind of going high level here but they give you a chart on kind of its geography and climate yeah, uh, because it is a city, so uh, they have a fog and filthy air table. So cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you can incorporate that in any game you do now, but it's just so awesome that they made it, and you know, you never know. I can't see I want, cool one of those tables. Missions. Oh, sorry, I can't see cool tables and not think of Matt anymore. So like, when uh, I when I looked at this table, I immediately thought Matt's gonna love this for sure. You know, you know, I am. Um, <laughs> Based on the like, the table breaks it down nicely. There's it. It starts by being broken down by time of year, and then the types of fog, the extent of the fog. I, uh, a buddy of mine, has lived both in Los Angeles, California, which is known for having awful air quality, uh, and he lived in Beijing, which he oh, wow. talked about how he wouldn't leave his house without wearing like a, a really nice filtering mask when he was over there. So I. I mean, the fact that this is now incorporated is something that, you know, outside of Altdorf, would you ever even consider using this table? Probably not, right? Because where else are you going to be where that's going to be such a factor? But it's one of those great things where your group, you know, your players walk into Altdorf for the first time, and they are pounded by the fact that it is disgusting here. It smells bad. <laughs> the air is bad. And facilitating that via a table like this, I really, of course, I like it. Come on now. Yes. Sorry to geek out about the table, Steve. <laughs> hey, no worries at all. Uh, um, I do like that they give the timeline of Altdorf. That's always yeah. nice to have. Um, they did that with the Middenheim as well. Um, and the Reichland. I mean, I think so many books have had this, uh, you know, Cubicle 7 has done a really great job of keeping it consistent. I yeah. knew as I was flipping through this for the first time that once I hit that dark bordered page, this is a timeline. Yep. And sure enough, we have over 5,000 years worth of a timeline here that, you know, goes as far back as negative 3000 all the way up to 2507. 
So there's quite a span of history there. The full pages of yep. timeline. Absolutely. So the next chapter, it goes into the governance of, of Altdorf. Um, and this is a, one of my favorite art pieces in the book here because it's a painting of like people, the emperor standing for a painting and his family and the painter painting the painting. <laughs> it's like there's multiple levels and you get to see what like the imperial royal court looks like. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, so what this cha what this chapter talks about, it's literally the governance of Altdorf. And I think it's really nice because it is the empire, the great cities of the empire are all governed very differently by very different people. And this breaks it down. Um, it really gives you an idea. Like there's, I mean, it gives you an idea of even like, oh, there's the emperor's champion. And here's the, you know, Bruni Gromson is the voice of Altdorf's dwarves. And, oh, here's Lothurn's chief diplomat right and it yeah, gives don't, you don't forget of the gray guardian emmanuel ferrand halswig oh nope <laughs> the high chancellor of the realm I, there are, it, it breaks down a lot like there are it you know it goes deep with the, the how broken down the uh various like counselors are and well and the, the different the councils family and so on yeah yeah Council, like the state yeah, so there's different councils that have different levels of power for doing different things. And, of course, there's even, like, you know, who – there's gray areas about power and stuff. And they kind of touch on all this. And so, like, do, do I as a player need to know all of this? Probably not, right? Most of the time you're not a noble and gr it's grim and gritty and you know who the emperor is and maybe who your liege lord is and that's it, right? Like – um, but all of this is really good for a GM that's going to, if you're going to, let, let's be honest, Altdorf if, is a great city, maybe the perfect city for like a really in-depth, like political intrigue in Warhammer game. And there oh, is sure. so much yeah. detail here for you to build that game. Like you have pretty much everything you need. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of names. It goes through, you know, the Reichland Diet, all the councils, the different people, what they do. Um, and a good character art piece is in here. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, it, it, and then it even breaks it down, right, the sex in the city, right? So um, this is the religious sex. Come on. Come on. That's yep. so good. Yeah, it is good. Sex in the city? I, I was going to see if you caught it. But... Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so like it talks about Manon and Ronald. Like now, this is a city of Sigmar by, by goodness. But there's a bunch of others there as well, and then um, even some cool uh, letters. That's a very like in character letters that are really cool. Um, so anyway, not to over talk this chapter too much, but they're it's good stuff. What'd you say, man? So the, about the letter, I feel like the fact that that very first one we ever saw in the core rulebook had the little. <laughs> capitalized letters the secret like, message the secret yeah. message every uh -huh. time i see one of these now i'm like over analyzing yes. it. I'm like nope it's nothing i'm like <laughs> no, is there anything <laughs> underlined <laughs> is there different fonts do they yeah like i, I do the same that, thing like, now you run it through my cryptography like, scanner yes um, like how could we make sure everyone reads every single word of these stinking <laughs> letters in all of these books i know let's make them think there's something else there Got us the first time. 
To be fair, I didn't know about that secret message for like months after it was released. I had no idea. I had to I, I read it on uh, online somewhere and then I was like, "What?" I got to see if there's some secret message now. Yeah. And take a deeper over, look. I, I might have missed the it, magnifying so. glass. Mm. <laughs> uh, that brings us to the gangs of Altdorf. I guess that's a thing. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, so basically, Altdorf, of course, is next to the r- the river, and uh, there's dockside gangs, and you know there's small little groups, bigger groups, but uh, a couple of the bigger uh, groups are called the Fish and the Hooks. It's cool that they give some adventure hooks. All this. Oh yeah, <laughs> all ties together. Uh, but basically, they're kind of like the a blend of a union, uh, low skilled workers, the mafia, and <laughs> yeah. just kind of all combined. You know, they work for like the benefits, so they make money. But that doesn't mean that they're not above doing crime too. Um, yeah. Give some examples of some of them, and who the pictures of some of these dudes? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to mess yeah. with Bream. Bream, uh, the human racketeer. Uh, he's the the kind of fellow you'd you'd uh, steer clear of in a dark alley. He's like About he takes his hood 63. off, and you pay your due. <laughs> wow, so I will say the the main piece at the very beginning of this chapter is one of my favorites in the whole book. I don't know if you guys ever played magic the gathering at all but when i first saw this piece it for whatever reason just took me back to playing magic the gathering when i was young i'm talking like early 90s you know right when magic first started it that there's some similarities there i felt like with the artwork from this base and compared to some of the cards from those earlier sets and i just love this piece i love how it like you're in Aldorf, you know there's smoke everywhere. You can see that, but you can still see the blue sky like straight up behind these two yeah. that are getting ready to get into a fight. I just I love how animated they are. It's these two uh two rival gang members like facing each other down. One is this like big hulking brute that I would put my <laughs> money on if I was a betting man. <laughs> I don't know. So. That other guy seems scrappy. Like like he's got teeth out and he's got like a I don't know, some sort of maybe that's a hook in his in his hat. Like I don't I don't get the sense that he loses many fights. Oh no, I, I'm sure it <laughs> would be a good a good fight. Uh but one thing we can't agree on, killer piece of art for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I do like how they they incorporated like the smog and the fog from the city, but yet, you know, they gave some blue sky, you know, in the yeah. middle. I I thought it was yeah. really dynamic. Cool. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, and like you said, there's adventure hooks throughout. Um, there's a handful of NPCs. I think there's like four in this uh, chapter, varying ranks within the the gangs. But this is this is a good chapter as well. Yeah. And another letter to look through for secret messages. Right. They're there. <laughs> They're there. You just gotta look and crack crack the code <laughs> for capitals. <laughs> all right so that brings us on to chapter four the great reek so this is giving you some uh, more information about uh several different aspects of daily life or yearly life i suppose in some regard in altdorf the first chapter is all about the festivals of altdorf and i didn't count these but there are a ton i want to say there's probably at least 15 or 16 different yeah. festivals it gives you a, a paragraph maybe two 
that's about it, what kind of things they celebrate, why they celebrate, and as well as the day and month that it's celebrated on. Hey, did you see Pi Week? I did see Pi Week. I was going to mention that in looking through this in preparation for our episode today, uh, I it was another reason why it just made me think of how fun it would be to role play in a festival setting. Because if you think about going to imagine role playing like the Gen Con of the old world, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that you can do and there's a lot of different aspects to what life is like and what these festivals are like. And I feel like this is just, uh, this is one of those that I know a lot of these are specific to Altdorf, but there's a lot of really cool information that you can glean from this that you could use, you know, you could pull bits and pieces, uh, out from here and have it, you know, run it in your own game, tweak it however you want. Um, and again, there's another excellent piece of art that is a, uh, I don't know. It's gotta that's, be a champion of some sort. Yeah. I'm marching pretty sure that's the emperor. The, I had a feeling marching on his horse with, you know, fanfare all around him during a parade of some sort. Uh, I was, uh, that's another excellent art piece in there. Yeah. Good use of color too on that one. For sure. The next section breaks down some daily entertainment that you would find in outdoor. This love these. Yeah, this is, this is cool. uh, to no surprise, probably my favorite portion of this entire book because <laughs> it breaks down based on your social status, what yeah. type of events you're going to come across. So there's a whole table. That's a huge breakdown of brass. You know, if your your social status is uh, brass, you roll a D 100 and this gives you a bunch of different options for things that, you would come across or that you would do for entertainment given your, your social status. Then there's a whole, a whole page uh, table for silver and then a whole page for gold as well. And one of the things I like is at the end of the end of silver, if you roll a 92 to 100, it's called slumming it. And that just means (laughs) that you instead you roll on the brass table. Well, if you go to the gold table, the last two 81 to 90 is slumming it and 91 to 100 is really slumming it. So, but there, there's some really cool stuff in here. And so again, oh. it, all right, I got These kind of tables are green. immediately usable. And that's something that I think is, is really quite cool. Right. Even if like, let's say you're a new, like you just got this book and your next session in a day is, is going to be an alt dwarf. Like, I mean, you could straight just take these and start to get a feel for the city. And but I wanted to point out my favorite one was pigeon racing. That just seems like a cool like I just you're like some people are trying to shoot down the pigeons so that their pigeons can win. And like it just seems even even the poorest citizen can acquire a filthy Altdorf pigeon and train it to return home. (laughs) These are the kind of things that I I think in a lot of ways you could write almost a whole adventure around Yes, some of these or a whole session at the very least. And those that's, that's just, it's super cool to me. Uh, think about so it. Good. Think about it. That That's like, you're telling your friends, Oh, what it, our last session, what did you, what did you guys do in your last session? Dude, we did pigeon racing. Like that's all you would need to say. And I could imagine a whole session of surrounding those stupid pigeon races and all the hijinks. Uh, I'm so glad you say that this, this might be a bit of a tangent, but I'm going to say it anyways. So the last full star Wars campaign I ran, it's been years. I want to say the last time that we actually played was probably like 2017 or 18, 
but I've ran a short uh, modular encounter out of the back of the Lords of Nalhutta book. And essentially it was like almost like a Hunger Games style event if it was put on by the huts. Was and this was this the crystal racetrack? It's no, this was called the Grane Nupa. Oh what yeah. it was what it was called. And essentially it was like multiple different layers, somewhere you had to like outsmart each other, somewhere uh-huh. you had to fight each other. And the one of the beasts that they had to fight, my my players had to fight in that was a massive, which is like a weird, like big evil looking dog kind of creature. Well, anyways, this is a slightest bit of a spoiler. In the book of Boba Fett, the new Disney Plus series, those creatures have been seen in multiple episodes. And I had two people from my group text me like, hey, didn't we have to fight those in the <laughs> Grande Nupa? And I was like, yes, you did. And that was four years ago. Like, how cool oh. is it? A- anyways, just that a little event like that can be enough to really make some memorable uh, experiences in gameplay. And these tables are excellent for that exact reason. That's awesome. So moving on from there, more information about th- I almost would call this like some of the the more basic stuff about Altdorf. If you weren't going to spend a lot of time there, you would want to know what a typical inn was like, what hotels would be like. And it breaks down boarding houses, inns, hotels, flop houses, the city gates, the walls, the bridges. These are things that are going to give you some more information, but it's not breaking it down as detailed as you'd get in what is the next chapter and, you know, throughout the rest of the book. Another great piece of artwork in there. I I don't think that represents Altdorf's main wall, but just a cool section of wall and just gives you that sense of Warhammer decay. Yeah. Yeah. Dank. Thank you. Wall well, looks solid pretty. except for that hole that's in it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that was blown out and the fire <laughs> raging nearby. <laughs> All right. So this chapter is is really great uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Even this is one of those that you could pull out if you weren't, you know, running a whole session exclusively in Altdorf. I think there's a lot of usable stuff in here. Yeah, wherever I, you are, or that at the very least it could be adapted to whatever city you're going to be in. Yeah, I almost wish that this would have been like chapter one. Here's the basics of what you need to know for GM or something. Like, um, if they called it out, like I do, I wouldn't immediately look at this chapter when picking up the book to run a game in it and immediately think this is where I should start. But it kind of is, like you said, it's it's kind of the basics. Yeah, I'm glad you say that. Actually, there is um, one page in here I didn't talk about. Is uh, it's not a table, but it's presented kind of in that way. It's called "Getting to Know Altdorf," and this is three, six, eight bullet points that kind of give you a a high look at what the city's about. And I think that that really almost feels out of place that that could have been earlier in the book to give yeah. kind of the basic information. But in any event, it is. Uh, it, it fits well in here under the Great Reek as well. Okay, so I'm going to talk about several of the chapters quickly here. and But these chapters, um, so chapter 5 through chapter 9, but more really chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, really start to break you into um, the city in more specifics. So, um, so first off, 
there is a map, a beautiful map, which is going to be on the end covers for this book. And you can also, when you get the PDF, you get a, a nice breakdown, big map of Altdorf. And so you're aware you can also buy it in print. I got a, a Altdorf map that, you know, you can buy as a poster as well. And the map is cool. And they built this exactly like they did with Middenheim. So when we talked about Middenheim, we talked about, all right, you have the map. Now, if you break each section of the map, like each little, you know, area into a different section and then have a chapter on it where it talks yep. about it. Yeah. Imagine like, like almost like Google earth, like you're zooming in to one little section of the same drawn map. And it, I, if I remember right, Lance, you weren't super sold on the artwork so, that they used for this. I, I'm on the total opposite end. I love the artwork they used for this. I, I've I've come more to the middle since then. Um, I see the advantages. So here, the problem I had with that artwork is it felt like, oh, I look at, I can see individual houses in this, and it looks like there's no way that's a city of four hundred thousand people or whatever, right? Um, but if I, I, if I look at it more from a standpoint of, um, it's representative, not necessarily exact. Um, because if you look at this as, as it's exact, those, those houses are way too far apart with the streets and different alleys and things like, you know, it's, it's meant to be stylized. So I think I just got hung up on an art choice. Um, and so, but you're right. I still, it's still not my favorite. But it is, I want to say, I still bought the poster. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's just um, I wanted something a little different, I think, for my personal choice. Now, having said that, again, I love the artwork. So, and and I should mention, right, so chapter, so there's three chapters that break up the city. The city is basically broken into three big sections. And each of those sections is breaking up into, like, smaller sections, neighborhoods, if you will, or something, right? So, like... The South Bank is literally almost the south half, everything that's on the south bank of the River Reich for the city. And it goes through each little section and it has a map, right? So it takes the map that is on your end pages and then it gives you like a zoomed in, broken up part of here's what we're talking about. And then, for example, the the Frieden Hofrickers, I'm terrible. I should have chose something else. Um, but like it's uh, it zooms in even farther and then it tells you about it. And and when when we were talking uh, hooks, story hooks before, oh, oh my boy. gosh, <laughs> they are essentially like endless in this chapter. There's like or at in, least in every page are. almost. <laughs> yep, and there are some pages that have two whole separate sections of story hooks as well. I I really love the way that these city books break this down, and I feel like in a lot of cases, if we even look back to like some of the the daily entertainment things on those three tables, some of them cite specific locations that you can then just as easily flip a few pages ahead. And now you've got more information about those mm -hmm. locations as well as more story hooks for those locations as well. Yeah. So essentially this is your get a gazetteer, your drive down. I want all the details for a little section. What's that Island about? Let, there's a, there's a section that shows the, uh, the, the map and, and tells you about it tells you about the gangs or the dwarfs or whatever's there. Um, 
And there's also mixed throughout this are little extras as well. So like, for example, here's a little section on crime and punishment in Altdorf, right? Which, you know, talks to you about, you know, what happens with crime and punishment, how it works. Um, you know, there are uh, stat blocks and NPCs that are given details about and, you know, not just a a paragraph some of these have four or five paragraphs for them each and some really interesting yeah yeah, a whole page yep yep um there are charts uh like for example there's a whole new skill i I, want to point this out a whole new skill that doesn't exist anywhere else called psychometry it takes up a a whole page um yes whole page yeah yeah with a table and Essentially, so, like trying to, it's like mind reading almost, right? Yeah. Yep. Telling, yeah, an event or a time of what yeah. happened to, you know, yeah. It's just a, it's just really nifty and in, in this a detail. So I don't want to waste a ton of time going over every little section, but just know all of this is in there. And I'm going to, I want to call out some of the bigger pieces that are kind of like not part of that details, but just like call outs, like, like, for example, that skill. Here's another one. Sights and sounds of the palace. This is similar to what Matt had mentioned earlier with the bullet points about what you need to know about Altdorf. Well, this is kind of like, here's uh, the bullet points of what you should know about the palace. Yep. I was I literally had my, my book open to this page for that reason. That I, This is, it's just so, so great. It's such a, as a GM, like you could just uh-huh. pick a couple of these as you're going and just, just read it just to, to give the players more of an idea of what they're looking at and you know what what it's gonna look and sound like if you're in or around the palace right yeah and and man and i hate to like some of this stuff i almost wish like oh man this would have been cool if they would have put this in a different chapter and broken it down but it's still cool it's just some of this stuff is like just smack dab in these sections where so like the six fame knightly orders of Alta, yeah. we got two pages That's super cool and it shows like the like artwork which shows like the helmet and kind of the decorations and stuff. It's a black and white, really cool. And That's... it talks talks about primary duties, the colors, symbols, all that kind of stuff. And then let's see, is there was there any other pieces in here in this section you guys want to specifically call out? Um There's there's a lot of cool stuff. Oh gosh, there's that artwork of the uh, ship on uh page 84 just beautiful Um, i want to make sure that our listeners know that we we might be kind of moving through this a little quickly because of the there's just a lot to go over we're talking like almost 150 pages yeah that is what we're describing now different areas of the city story hooks on every single page Mm -hmm. npcs littered throughout tables littered throughout extras littered throughout artwork throughout it's uh, again, we're uh, I'm going off of just a PDF. I felt like I, when I looked over to see how far I had scrolled, I thought I had like that that Adobe Acrobat was broken. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I've been scrolling forever, and I'm like not even a third of the way through this book. It's literally how I felt. My finger hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And this is I want to point out this since you're talking about it. This is like a whole almost hundred pages more than. Uh, Middenheim, isn't it? Like, I knew it was more. I don't have the exact. So I got my copy of Middenheim right here. It is Middenheim is a hundred and fifty-seven pages. Yeah, we're looking at two twenty-one for Altdorf. So you've got. I mean, there's half again as many. Another seventy-five pages or so. Which 
they they pack full. Uh, it's pretty rare it that you scroll through here that you find a page that's just full art for full art's sake. Like there's there's a lot. Yeah. I didn't I, it's it's so vast that it's literally I mean you you could have a group literally stay in Altdorf and adventure in Altdorf for years. Quite some years. time. Yeah. I mean literal years for sure. So you remember when we this is a long time ago. Gosh, you guys remember we did a review of Ubersreich on the starter set, the Ubersreich, the guide to Ubersreich, and I, we had um, who did we have on for that show? Um, yes, I believe because that would have been the starter TS. set. Right? No, you're right, it was TS. Yeah, and so, but we went through, and I remember us saying like, "There's enough here to do years and years." I would argue there is twice as much like story hooks and information than in that book. Like, yep. You could literally buy the core rule book and this book and probably never, if, if you're a GM that can take a story hook and run with it, you would never have to leave the city for your life. <laughs> yep. Looking at just like, as I'm scrolling through here, at a, there's a two page, two page spread that across the two pages has five separate story hook, little, the little hook page that you see. There are five different ones that have a total of seven different actual individual hooks and it's got to be the average has to be more than one per page throughout this section of the little you know diagram showing that it's a story hook there's just it's it's astonishing really it's a lot yeah so gosh steve you're not kidding i've been scrolling through the pdf as we've been talking about this stuff and my finger hurts like (laughs) there's so many pages um so, all right, so chapters five, six, and seven is all about the city, and it breaks it down, goes through all of that, everything we've talked about, and more. Heck, there's here's a little section on elven politics. Um, but then you have chapter eight, which is the undercity, right? So this talks about beneath the city, and, I mean, it's Warhammer, so you know there's Skaven, there's dwarves, there's all sorts of stuff going on. So there's a whole section on that, very similar. Um, and then there's a section beyond the walls, right? So this talks about the things surrounding the city, um, the clayworks, the Black Isle. I, again, I'm not—I don't want to go into too many details on all of that. Just, just there's—it's good. You, you again, it's just a breakdown of everything. It's a—it's everything in the city, everything under the city, and everything around the city. You—you <laughs> you scrolled past a whole page that was all about the various pubs. It's just a big table called the Dockside Pub Crawl. Oh, how did I miss that? What page and is it's that? it's just 183. 183, okay. And it's a table broken down that's a list of all the taverns, um, oh, yeah. what their clientele is like, quirks uh-huh. of that area, and what the bedroom cost is like. And again, that's that's really nice to have that so concise in one one spot. So I guess, and before I kind of, I know Steve's going to talk about espionage here. I... I this is very much if you have Middenheim, it's the same concept. It's done very well. Um, good artwork, lots of extra bits and pieces in there, tons of story hooks, and all the details you need for to heck spend probably sessions in a tiny section of the city without even going beyond. All right. The uh, next section is uh, pretty much espionage in Altdorf. And this chapter is packed with literally just in the Imperial Spy Networks. Um, let's name a few. Like, they got the Black Chamber. Um, they're pretty much uh, 
is the intelligence network for the Reichland and by extension the the emperor themselves but it also lists kind of what their goals are yeah that's really cool uh, their current preoccupations their key personalities and it is really in depth like it's not just like a sentence like it goes into like hey if you're part of this group this is kind of what we do what we believe in and there's got to be what one two at least it lists at least maybe six different for the for for the imperials um spy groups the, the hit the hidden banner and some of these are really um, cool. Like the Black Chamber, one of their goals is remove threats to the Empire. Like that just sounds yeah. that sounds like section what is it, section forty six from Star Trek or something like that. <laughs> just like we remove threats from the Empire. It, you common people didn't even know it was a threat. We took care of it. <laughs> and this was interesting, the the Untershung. Uh investigate and counter the penetration of malign cults into oh. the Imperial Court. State regiments, nightly orders, and colleges of magic. Ooh. So GMs, most GMs that that don't. So not all GMs work really well doing their own thing and making stuff from scratch. But if you're a GM that does, you literally could give them one of these spy networks, give them the breakup of the say, here you go, make adventures, and you could run with it. Uh, also has foreign spies in Altdorf, which I found really cool. Um, they got like a spy network from Bretonia, La oh, Sans yeah. Face, uh, the Fog Walkers from Marienburg. Just you know, d- different spies that might be in the cities, um, and and also what their goals are, their personalities. In case you have adventures where you might meet this group and they stole you know a certain thing, and you got to track them down. Um, it just yeah, it goes on and on and on about kind of. Also using outdoor spies in adventures and so on, because um, technically it lays it down where if you want to go 007, old world, <laughs> there's enough there to get started with that. There's yeah, sure there really yeah. is. <clears throat> there's a so well, like just did you... such a such a neat way to to add something to your games, right? Is like if you're in Altdorf, or even not, just use this as a template, right? And like have some people from La Sans Face start following you. And then, you know, that is enough right there to, like, get get the creative juices flowing. And, like, well, why the heck is this spy network following us? What, you know, what did we do? Why? What's the – there's just so many different ways you could go about it. Absolutely. So, so chapter 11. Chapter the 11. Last, yep. The last full chapter of the book is called The Prescribed Cults and Extremist Groups. So this is a breakdown, like we've seen in a lot of books before. And this shows the different cults that are – that operate within Altdorf, in and around, uh, with NPCs. As always, there's a sweet uh, NPC on page 216 that is a mutant chaos champion. Um, and of course, there's story hooks all the way through, breaking down, again, the different cults, the different groups, um, similar to some of what we've seen before, right in line with what we've seen throughout this book, uh, and just another way to add some really neat intrigue to your games. NPC charts. There's a really interesting mini chart called Try Your Luck. Um, and uh, it has like 10 different things that that you can do. Like one of them is climb the clock tower at Schumplatz, which I think this is tied to uh, roll those bones. Chat, yeah, it's uh, one of the story but, hooks. But it's, it's, it's cool. It's a unique, a very unique story hook. I like it. Yep. Okay, so that brings us to the appendix in 
Altdorf, which there's only one appendix, and it is Endeavors. So, and it has a handful of different Endeavors that you can run. Uh, you could use, obviously, um, when you have the opportunity to do Endeavors. So some of them are Penance, Testing a Magic Item, Training with an Unusual Weapon. I thought that was really a neat one. Yeah. Um, and then Patronage as well. So, and along with that, there's a v- multiple uh, result tables for if you're doing that endeavor. Um, the other one that's in here is college research. So not, there's not a whole lot in here as far as the appendix. And when I'm comparing this with Middenheim, which we have to considering they're both city books, this is where Altdorf really, uh, falls in my opinion, where it, it doesn't come through as well as Middenheim did, for example, because the three Middenheim had three appendixes. Uh, the first one was all about Middenball, which we won't get into that necessarily. Lance, you and I have, have gone at length about Middenball. We even have an unreleased episode all about Middenball. Um, that was the first appendix. The second one was character creation. And this is where we got our new character options. The Middenheimer, the Middenlander, and the Nordlander, as well as the Wolfkin uh, career. Right. I think we set the expectation pretty high for ourselves. We expected that in Altdorf, we would get at the very least, uh, an Altdorfer human as a, uh, species subspecies that you could be. Um, and the fact that that's not in there was really disappointing, uh, a bit of a disappointment. I'm not going to lie. Yep. Yeah. Especially when we got three for Middenheim, not getting any, any careers, any, new um subspecies was a was a bit of a letdown uh, i'm not gonna not gonna mince words there at all so i guess so if we take taking the appendix as it is what is there for altdorf it, it's good having more endeavors is almost never a bad thing in my book i'm a huge fan we're all a huge fan of endeavors um whether you use them or not these are good ones to add and they're very altdorf specific which spe- you know Location-specific ones can sometimes be tough, but, I mean, Altdorf is a huge city, so, I mean, I I, I think it's a good ad for this book. But I, I want to talk more about what you brought up, Matt, so maybe we this is a good time to move on to, unless, Steve, you had some final thoughts on the appendix, uh, let's move on to our final thoughts overall. Uh, let's, let's move on to the final thoughts. So I, I actually have a lot to say um, about this. So... Um, I don't, Matt, you kind of already started going down. Do you want to head us off? And Sure. I, I have a lot of really good things to say about this book. I like it for the same reasons I liked Middenheim. And that is that it, if you are adventuring or running a session or a game or an adventure in or around this city, this book is absolutely invaluable with the amount of information you have, adventure hooks, NPCs. It's all there. All my favorite things about Middenheim. Um, or most of my favorite things about Mendenheim are in this book as well. And even, I mean, it's expanded to the point where there's an extra, you know, an extra 70 some pages on top of what we got in Mendenheim. Uh, and I was actually just telling Lance a minute ago about my favorite source books when I played and ran the Star Wars RPG system, the Edge of the Empire. My favorite source books that I used all the time were the location source books. Because they, they give you so much more information about locations with 
items and ships and enemies and NPCs that you'd find in those areas, as well as those little modular encounters, the story hooks that you can use and expand upon. And I love these books for the same reason I love those, and that is that there is no shortage of content in here. If you're running an adventure in and around this area, you could play for years, literal years, Mm -hmm. and never have to own another book because there's just so much here. Where this book really drops it for me is not having Altdorfer as a player option, not having any new careers, and really not having much in the way of player options. There's almost nothing in here that will exp- will give you give your player, your character that you're making, a unique feel. And part of me wonders, is it just because an Altdorfer human would be so similar to a Reichlander human that there's no point in in making it but i don't know it just doesn't seem like like that's the case that they set the precedent in middenheim that we got now i would have been happy i think we all would have been happy with one or two but they gave us three in that different you know subspecies for human the fact that we didn't get any in this for me was uh yeah that was a bit of a letdown yeah yeah I see where you're going with that. I, um, I wouldn't say that ultimately it decreases the overall value of this book. I still think there is a ton of value here. But having it for Reichland, having it, having multiple for Middenheim, and then here we go with Altdorf not seeing it, uh, I'd be interested to see what the thought process was there. For sure. Uh, so many things to say. Steve, why don't you go go next? Um, I liked this book and I'm still surprised at its girth. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's such a big book packed with so many hooks and just little, I mean, it, it's all dwarf all the way through. Um, I like, like Matt was saying, like we were all saying, you could literally spend years going through different things in this book. Um, I did like, I really like the section about the uh, the espionage because I think mm-hmm. that's rife in Altdorf. I mean, if you're going to spy anywhere, it's going to be there. Um, but overall, I like the book, you know, thoroughly. Just It was just packed full of information. You might have to read it twice. It's just there's a lot to it. So overall, I think they did a good job with Altdorf. Um, I myself would have liked another career or two because why not? Yeah, there's got to be something new for a dwarf or some, you know, something along that way. Um, but overall, I, I liked it. Um, just it's another quality product. It's just I'm just still surprised at how big it was. Two hundred and twenty pages. Ooh. That's substantial. Packed, packed. Everything you need. That's my opinion. Great job, guys. Okay, so. I I don't think I disagreed with anything that you guys had said. Um, all all in line, and um, I'll quickly echo some of the things you've already said. Um, th- there's enough content in here to run years and years worth of adventures and campaigns and sessions. Um, it is a culmination of all this stuff that we had in different sources in old Warhammer. They brought it in, updated it, gave us so many story hooks, gave us so many details about all the locations in the city. Um, and and it does a lot of stuff that this book needs. It didn't just talk about how is Altdorf governed, but it's also the capital of the empire. So it has to talk about how the 
empires run from the city too. So we get four, like uh, 10 pages worth of that as well. And that was absolutely needed. Um, the breakdown was good. Uh, and, and, uh, I don't have any issues with any of that. The espionage was really cool. Um, just, uh, I mean, they didn't, I mean, it's not that many pages really like five pages into it, but there is so much there that you could pick apart and go with as a GM. Um, just really nifty, um, cults and extremist roots. I mean, at this point, it's almost a given that any uh, location source book, we're going to have cults and extremist groups in here. So Altdorf of course needs that. Um, all good stuff. And the endeavors, excellent. I'm, I'm almost never going to have a complaint about you adding endeavors to the game, even if they're very location specific. Um, so like from all of that, I think it's awesome. The artwork, awesome. The layout, I, I will admit, I think Middenheim did a better job in layout just from the standpoint of like, uh, Middenheim literally has a section called a visit the visitor's guide to Middenheim. And then it breaks down all the things that you might want to know as a visitor. I wish we had that here because I feel like, you know, Matt, we were talking about the great reek is kind of that section. Um, it's kind of the visitor's guide, but it's not clear when I'm looking at the table of contents where I need to go. If my players are first time and I don't have time to read this whole dang book. Sure. That's fair. The other, the other thing is, is there's a lot of really good things that I would consider, this is also stuff that should be in the visitor's guide, but it's kind of spread around throughout, like some of the night things and all of that. Like maybe it makes sense for them to be there and I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but it could be better used if this book is used as like a reference um, book to, I, I need to quickly go find this. Some of that stuff is spread throughout and you're just going to have to flip pages until you find it. But that's a minor thing. And I think, Matt, you said it right, is here's the problem. And it's not a problem necessarily. This book delivers exactly what the back of the book tells us it's going to deliver. It does it in spades. It tell, it's, a, it's a city book that's everything you need to run adventures in the city and have all the information at your fingertips. I have no qualm. This book is exactly what it is. The problem is, is that we allowed our expectations to be set with more player options coming out of Middenheim. Middenheim gave us a mini bestiary. And while there are lots of NPC stats and a few monster stats throughout this book, again, it would have been nice to have a little mini bestiary and set some of that. Now, I think part of the problem is, is the Altdorf Zoo exists in Altdorf and that's a whole nother book. So they really yeah. can't give us all that because we're going to get a whole book about it. Right. It's, it's difficult. But the other piece is, uh, the player options, right? So we got human variants. Um, and I would argue like, honestly, if we're getting Salzmund, I'm surprised they gave us Nordlander in Middenheim now that we know that, but they might not have known that Salzmund was going to be an item. So I'd rather them give us more or even potentially reprint that, um, for Salzmund if that's the way they go for, but having said that, like, honestly, all of this that I'm saying, I'm a little disappointed on, would have been fixed by a one-page Altdorfer human variant. That I mean, not even one page. You could you could actually get all the information you need for that in a quarter page, and right. it wasn't there. And it was. I am not kidding you. It is literally when this PDF came out. It is the first thing I went and looked for. Yep, 
and I, I was probably on the phone with you when that happened. And I remember we both had the same reaction and that was, where's the Altdorfer? Yeah. And I, like, I, did we miss it? Is it in there somewhere that we just didn't see? Right. And then I went page by page looking for it. Cause I just assumed it was there. Um, so that is a personal disappointment. Does it bring this book down for what it is? No. Is the book still worth the money? Hell yeah. It's a great book. If you're going to run stuff in Altdorf, buy this book. Yep. But what I wanted was an Altdorfer player option and I didn't get it. Um, and that's just me personally. And should I have, should I have any reason to be disappointed? The only reason is, is cause I got Middenheimer and I want an Altdorfer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was that that expectation that we had, which, I mean, we we set that expectation ourselves. It's not like at any point Cubicle 7 was like, hey, every uh, city location source book you get is going to come with a new, uh, you know, subspecies. That, I don't believe that was ever said. Nope. Uh, no, I don't so think so. So it was an expectation we put on ourselves, but that but- doesn't mean that it still wasn't a disappointment when we went looking for it and it wasn't there. Yeah. So I so I guess what I would say is is that's the one thing and and it's just it's still it feels like it fits. Like if we're ever going to get an Altdorfer, I'm always going to ask why wasn't that put in the Altdorf book? Like yeah, Exactly. Yep. Like it, it, there's no other place to put it and I I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'll straight up tell say Cubicle 7 Hey, if you ever, every city book you release from now on, give me a variant, uh, you know, and especially the big Salzmund isn't like one of the big, big cities of the empire, right? We have Tablicland, Nuln, um, and those might be, cause there's just four, there's just four major cities in the empire. Those might be the only other two we don't have. And, and I fully expect a Nulner and a Tablicander to come from those books. I mean, my expectation is there, despite the fact that it's not an Altdorf. So, I mean, that... Altdorf would have been interesting. I, I, I mean, just for the characteristics. I mean, if you're like born and raised in like the biggest city, um, you're definitely going to have uh, maybe a few extra skills. So here's your disposal. Here's how I or... equate it. Oh, sorry, Steve. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. So here's how I equate it. And if you're not uh in the united from the united states this might not make as much sense to you but um it's like saying we have the state of new york and new york city and nobody i know would you know say that those people are the same right like they're they have different culture different like you live in new york city it's a whole different way than living in the rest of the state most people i know would say that's true and for me right. to say a reichlander um, is the same as an Altdorfer. Like my immediate thought is no. <laughs> yeah. No way. Or even think about our own state of Michigan, right? There's a, what I would say is a pretty significant difference in a lot of ways between folks that live and are born in the upper peninsula of Michigan and the lower peninsula. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Like think, think, think about it like that as well, where, you know, they're, they're not all cut from the same cloth necessarily and there's differences there that could have been highlighted that weren't so having said all of that i'll be very honest my my personal disappointment that i probably have no right to feel disappointed it's still there and if you ask me to 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 rate this book um i think i gave middenheim a five out of five 
I'm going to give Altdorf a 4.5 out of 5. And I'm not going to lie, that 0.5 is because I wanted Altdorfer. If yeah. that would have been in there, it would have been a 5 out of 5 for me. But overall, it has very minor things that I don't like about it. And the book itself is amazing, and I highly recommend it. Yep, I think I'm I'm 100% in line with you, Lance, that, that it seems like such a minor thing. We're literally talking about a single page, you know, quote, air quote here, being missing from the book. Um, but again, it, I know it was the first thing that both you and I looked at, and when it wasn't there, it was enough to, like, take the wind out of our sails a little bit. But that all that being said, I still really like this book. I think I would put it as my second or, th- well... It's top five for sure supplement that has been released for Wolf Rup. And I get the feeling that I'm going to put probably all of the city location books towards the top because of the way it's organized, the amount of content that's in it. But again, I've said it a million times now, but the, the lack of that in there was really the only big negative that I have to say about it. So out of five, you give it? Yeah, probably... Uh, I don't remember what I gave Middenheim, uh, whatever that was. I would probably just knock this down, like you said, probably about a half a half point. So either four, four and a half, somewhere right in there. Steve, would you out of five? Give it a little bit more. I'll give it a four point eight. It just got two <laughs> things. Like what you were saying is missing the Altdorfer, but also I'm a maps guy, and in chapter eight, the Undercity. Oh yeah, would have been cool to have a sewer map or. Something, you know, or a more detailed map of the underworld. But as you go lower, it gets less clear because Skaven are there. Mm-hmm. Just don't know where things go, but that would have been cool. Yeah, I'll I think, always. I think it's important that from now on, we have a very consistent way of grading. So, Steve, why don't you use a letter grade? <laughs> I'll use a star rating. And Lance, <laughs> you do it out of 10. Or no, I'll do I'll do thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> so it's very consistent that way. Yeah, we're terrible. But I will I will echo like Cubicle Seven, if you're ever asking yourself the question, does this need a map? The answer is just yes. It is yes. If you have to ask the question, then the answer is yes. Give it a map. All right. Well, guys, I, I <laughs> man, is that I think that covers it. Um and uh I just that's that's it. That's the end of our show tonight. So, um, guys, uh, welcome to 2022. I, I know. Well, this is probably the first one we've recorded in 2022. Um, there's a couple episodes that are they're coming out real quick. Um, we just released the uh, episode on Herbalist. That was a great episode. If you haven't had a chance to listen, go listen. I think um, uh, voting. Uh, voting is only up for like seven days on Twitter, but you can go to our website at oldworldpodcast.com and still go vote for your uh, favorite, uh, you know, out of the career competition there. So I, I admit um, I did not vote for myself on this one. Kyle got me with that whole, he made me gasp, and that was enough for me to be like, oh man, you, you deserve the win there. So we'll see who actually wins. But uh, so that's the end of our show tonight, guys. Um, Lots of cool stuff uh, for for this year coming down the line. Um, so 
things that we know we're going to be putting out, but I'm not entirely sure uh, yet when. But uh, you can expect us to talk, probably have an episode about Archives 2. Um, we are currently discussing, and, and no, com no comments when this will happen, but an episode where we talk about ogres um, and how to best use them in your games. I think we have a lot of uh, thoughts on that, and uh, we're doing some testing ourselves in that. Um, and uh, and uh, we might have a guest on for that as well. And then, of course, when Imperial Zoo comes out, you better believe we're doing an episode on that. There's no question there. Yeah, um, we're not going to wait. I, I know Altdorf took a little bit to come out just with a variety of of uh, other material coming and, you know, health issues and just everything being crazy. But the Imperial Zoo, I don't imagine is going to be one that we're going to sit on for more than... Uh, for any longer than we absolutely have to. Yeah, just long enough that we get a chance to read it, and then and then we'll 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 put out an episode on it. I'm I'm very very much looking forward to that one. Well, intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. Uh, you can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast. And of course, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash old world podcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at patreon.com slash old world podcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. All right. And this is Lance saying good night. And if someone tells you that the Black Chamber is following you, get out of town. This is Matt saying good night. And if you're a noble and you find yourself in Altdorf, why not try slumming it? Who knows? You might really enjoy pigeon <laughs> racing. That's good. <laughs> this is Steve saying good night. And if you go to Altdorf, don't forget your N95 mask. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC. 